Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Well, this interview has been brought to you by the National Treasury. Let me invite onto the show Rahadi Mozeto, who is Chief Director, Stakeholders and Clients Management at National Treasury, to kick off what will be a series of interviews really dealing with a number of issues. Uh, Ms. Mozeto, good morning to you and thank you so much for your time today. Good morning, Thank you so much for having me. Let's firstly start off with, you know, what the purpose of these conversations from the National Treasury is. What are you really wanting the South African public to know about? Um, actually, we're testing the, the students that are doing or studying logistics um, across the handling institutions, uh, mainly because we don't have um, qualifications in public procurement. And also the SMEs, because we have noticed that we are losing a lot of SMEs from, from um, the central supplier database. And we want them to really have these opportunities, access these opportunities um, that we put forward for them through public procurement. And also, um, we want them to move away from, from the distribution of buying from, from one supplier and, and delivering to government. We want them to see the bigger scale of procurement within within um, public sector and, and really decide whether they want to participate or not because we understand that the information that they have to deal with, it can be so overwhelming for them. So we try to break it down for them so that they can make a decision whether they're going to participate with us or not. Mm. So it's really about simplifying then the information that is needed by SMMEs for procurement processes and simplifying what those processes are. Yes, yes, exactly that. Okay. Let's then begin firstly by perhaps you then giving us a better understanding of supply chain management and, you know, why it is that uh, oftentimes when we talk about supply chain management, especially where it involves state entities, uh, what we are seeing are these high levels of corruption and across the board, you know, across multiple uh, departments. And it, it's almost a given now that supply chain management processes are tainted by some level of corruption, even from the phase of a potential service provider, just perhaps putting in a tender for a particular uh, contract that has gone out. Mm-hmm. Um. The thing is, if you look at the Constitution itself, it talks to the procurement because that is the um, the time where we engage with, with, with suppliers or potential suppliers. However, when you go to the PSMA and the MSMA, uh, we're talking about supply chain management, which is a process. And, and, and for students who are studying logistics, they only do one element of, of logistics, uh, of, of supply chain, meaning that they don't get involved in the procurement space per se. And they tend to, to struggle a little bit when they have to get into the system through internship. And then they realize that the information can be so overwhelming. So we want to break it down for them so that even when they get to third year, um, they can opt to do um, research probably in, in our public procurement. However, when, when you talk about um, uh, corruption, not everything that, that, that we see as irregular expenditure. It's corrupt. Um, although it is a finding through an audit process, it doesn't always amount or translate to corruption. Maybe uh, the continued tendency to paint that particular picture, but it simply means that the organ of state uh, did not have to adhere to the prescript of the law 
or the internal policies they have adopted to manage those transactions that we, we enter into through uh, procurement. So meaning if, if there are delegations of, of responsibilities that a director or somebody has to sign to make sure that the separation of responsibilities, then it should follow that particular process. If it doesn't follow that particular process, it becomes irregular, and then it becomes an irregular expenditure as classified in the audit. This issue of irregular expenditure has come up quite often because when we look at the um, Auditor General's reports, even for example, the column of irregular expenditure seems to be uh, continuously declining and departments and officials will always make the point that it doesn't mean that this money has not gone or has not been um, well spent. Give us examples of irregular expenditure that perhaps uh, you know, takes place sometimes and how some of that spending then becomes justified and should not necessarily be seen as being corrupt. Okay. Um, every 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 organ of state they have their internal policies that will outline how you process certain transactions. For instance, uh, within the treasury, we have um, thresholds within which um, a chief director can sign, a director can sign. If at all there's no chief director, you have to find another chief director within the unit to sign um, that particular amount, right? And also, when you get into supply chains, so you have to go to supply chain and get the quotations through supply chain. Then supply chain will look at the quotations, evaluate them, and send them through to you. And then you will decide which one you're taking. You sign off, then they engage with the supplier. However, if I happen to go and approach the suppliers myself um, against what the policy is prescribing, it becomes irregular because now I'm really uh, excluding the supply chain process. When it comes to to payment, it might be um, challenging because they need to issue um, a purchase order as well to the supplier to make sure that, to confirm that we agree with what you have quoted us on, then you can continue to render service. So the expenditure didn't go the way it is prescribed in the policy, but we did receive the value for what we have we have asked for. So it becomes irregular in terms of not adhering to the policy internally. It's, it's different to, to fruitless and wasteful expenditure where you procure and the, the event doesn't happen or the delivery doesn't happen. For new businesses uh, or for businesses in general, which is really part of the purpose of this conversation, who are looking to transact with, with the state, I mean, are there particular issues that you would want them to be aware of? What are the things that they need to know about the process effectively that they're embarking on? Okay. Um, most suppliers, they, they, they respond or they react very, very late in the process when they see a tender. And, and what we are saying to them, when we as government uh, start planning with, with our state of the nation address, your SONA, your SOPA, and the budget allocation, um, we want them to pay attention in terms of where are we putting our projects, which sectors are we going to uh, be doing work in, whether those projects have started already or they are new uh, projects. If one has to look at different um, uh, provinces and the sauna as well, more of, of the money or the projects are in road infrastructure, and then there's a support element for SMEs and township economy funds that are running across our provinces. So we are saying to them, uh, when we start planning as government and we engage you before 
the beginning of the financial year, which is one April. They need to pay attention to that when these tenders come out because we usually advertise for 21 days. By the time they see a tender um, that is out for 21 days, it might be difficult for them if at all they want to move out from the low-value commodities into the very complex one and the high-value one where they will be required to uh, bring uh, testing reports and those testing reports might take longer than 21 days. If you are in the infrastructure environment, you have to get um, a certificate of compensation for occupational injuries that will take minimum of 14 to 28 days. So it will be outside the 28 days. By the time they want to get those, those um, reports and certificates, then the, the period of advert will be lapsed and then that's going to lose that opportunity. We're in conversation with Rahadi Mozeto, who is Chief Director, Stakeholders and Clients Management at the National Treasury. They're unpacking their procurement processes. What is it that SMMEs need to know? Yeah, very interesting uh, what she's saying about, you know, businesses being able to sit and listen uh, to some of these big addresses and then start planning. Is it possible to plan when you don't actually have information of how this is going to translate perhaps in in a community where you do work, in an area where you do work. I'll get it to answer that question after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point, and this interview, of course, is brought to you uh, by the National Treasury. We're unpacking procurement uh, processes within government for uh, businesses that want to do work with the state. And uh, Rahadi telling us earlier that they are worried about uh, the number of small businesses that are falling off uh, the database of the various departments. And we'll get to that in a moment. So, Rahadi, you said that small businesses effectively should be looking at uh, some of the big addresses, the state of the nation, the budget, state of the province address, to have an idea of where government is going to be doing its spending. And, and uh, sorry? I'm saying it's exactly. Yes. And, and the difficulty for me is that the statements you're, you're referencing are so broad. How is a, a, a business provider in, let's say, Pulugwani, uh, supposed to think about infrastructure rollout that is spoken about by the president and then target themselves to be a provider um, for whatever projects may be undertaken when they actually don't even know what is going to be needed, what kind of work needs to be provided, what are the budgets that government is working with? Okay. Um, if, if one were to look at the state of the provincial addresses, they do outline, especially on the road infrastructure, which roads they're going to be working on and how far they are. There are those that are still in the process. There are those that are still new. So they would be able to locate those projects, those projects in terms of their location. And also, um, I understand most people will say the president is an indicator and take away these things are going to, to happen. It is the responsibility of the provinces as well as the department to do that. So if you go into into, into Northwest, they have outlined all the roads that are going to, to be refurbished. You go to housing, they have a list of, of the, the roads that they are working on. So it is easier for them to, to, to follow that, that particular project from the sauna to the sofa and the location of it. And also, once they pick it up on the sauna, 
then it will have to reside with a particular organization, a department of roads in the province and also touch on the municipality in that area as well. So when they go into 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 the strategic document of that particular department, it will give them that project that, okay, in this um, five-year period, the three-year period, we are going to be doing one, two, three, four uh, at this road and that road. When they break it down on the annual uh, performance plan, it will tell you, okay, for the first quarter, we are starting at this road with this road and this road. The second quarter, we are starting with this road and this road. So that when they advertise those tenders for those particular roads, then those those um, SMEs are aware that these projects are coming. And also, with the procurement plans that are going to be put, they need to be aligned to that annual performance plan and also be published on the e-tenders portal. So that in this next quarter, let's say the quarter one, first of April, then we'll have those, those procurement plans indicating where where the tenders are going to be, where the pro, which projects are going to be implemented, so that they can ready themselves with the paperwork that are going to be required. They can even make inquiries um, regarding those projects. What are the timelines? What do you need? And then thereafter, they can respond accordingly. And again, um, there, are, there are so many there are so many uh, projects that are running across the province as, as well as the country. Some are province-specific, and then some are, are, are of national importance. Um, the cannabis one, it run across um, the, the whole country. And then you'll have township economic um, revitalization. That will be specific to different provinces. So they need to follow those projects from, from the sauna to the SOPA and your strategic plan, the annual performance plan, and ultimately into what we call the procurement plan, which needs to translate into a tender if it is indicated that for this particular project we are going to advertise and let it be a competitive bid. If not, they will state the method of procurement that will be applied, which is something that we'll talk about in the third week. Mm. I'm going to invite our listeners to also be part mm-hmm. of this conversation. You're more than welcome to uh, call in on 011-714-2006. Perhaps you can also talk about the experiences that you have had uh, when it comes to trying to bid for work. And uh, Rahadi will then be able to respond to uh, some of those issues. On the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107 and on Twitter it's at SFM Radio, the Hashtag SFM Talking Point. So, Rahadi, you know, you've spoken about the process. And I think when it comes to what it's supposed to be, that is very clear um, in black and white. But there's also the reality of what it is on the ground. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking it's part of of what you're saying so yes getting uh, businesses to uh, prepare themselves to bid on time to ask the questions etc you have businesses that literally make sure that they follow each and every one of the steps that you have described and yet they find themselves continuously unsuccessful in the bidding process not because they are unqualified or do not meet the rigor of what has been sent out there, but simply because they're not connected. They're not the people that have been earmarked for certain projects. And and I wonder the considerations of National Treasury, where that is concerned, and perhaps the work that is being done to address that issue, 
that has become so prevalent? The thing is, as, as Cathy, we, we always say to suppliers, if they have um, any, any complaints about how the process went, they have um, the right and the responsibility to approach the third department to ask what is it that I did wrong. Because sometimes you might find that uh, some of the paperwork was not signed, um, some of the documents were not attached, or, or maybe within, within the evaluation process something changed. So they can go and ask for that information for them to know why they were disqualified, why they did not make it uh, until until award. So they have that particular right. But if they feel that um, they were uh, unfairly, unfairly treated, they need to give us that information for us to be able to talk to um, the state department and ask them, can you just give us the document? That is why we have a unit within the Treasury um, uh, in the OCPO that can look at that to check whether the, the supplier was treated unfairly uh, in terms of the timelines, in terms of the evaluation and, and adjudication, and then give the supplier, the supplier feedback uh, on this. How often as Treasury do you get uh, potential suppliers writing in complaints? They really, really, really come through because they are afraid. They, they tend to believe that if they do raise it, it will be clear that it is them and they will be um, treated unfairly going forward. And we keep on saying to them, um, there are so many organs of faith that you can transact with. You don't have to be married to one department that treats you so badly and you feel that you have to stay within that department. So there are so many organs of state where you can transact. You don't have to stay with one. So effectively, you you have seen um, by way of pattern over the years that people are reluctant to come forward and, and lay these complaints. How are you responding to, to that gap? Because it speaks to the fundamental problem um, that many businesses are facing. And, and in the absence of them laying these complaints officially, how is, is, is government then responding to that issue? Um, every, every institution, Kathy, has, has an internal audit um, unit that when it comes to tenders like this, they need to go and, and, and look at whether that particular evaluation and adjudication has really followed the legal route or the requirements that, that are put in place to evaluate and adjudicate and then decide whether they're going to award or not. Um, so there is that element of, 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 of governance uh, within institutions as to whether they are using it. It, it resides with the accounting officer to make sure that their systems and their processes are really up to stress. They're really compliant with, with, with the rules that we're putting in place. And unfortunately, some of the internal policies, we hardly have signed of them, but we look at, uh, we measure them in terms of uh, the regulations that we issue as well as the instruction notes that we issue. But if there's something that they need to report, we need more evidence because there are so many um, thresholds within the procurement process. If it's a quotation system, um, the accounting officer has the responsibility to on the internal audit to constantly go and audit that process of, of, of request for quotations where it's below um, 1 million, you keep on engaging suppliers and you don't literally have um, an evaluation committee or a good committee. Okay, we're going to continue the conversation with Rahadi Motzeto, Chief Director, Stakeholders and Client Management at National Treasury. I'll also be taking your calls. Randall, I'll kick it off with you in Cape Town. Before we get to that, your latest headlines.
SAFM 104-107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. We're putting the, the spotlight on procurement processes, particularly with the state. And uh, we're talking about some of the supply chain management issues that often arise. And National Treasury, of course, wanting to explain and simplify the process to small uh, and medium enterprises, saying that they've been watching declining numbers of these supplies in particular on their database. And Rahadi Muzeto is our guest from uh, the National Treasury that's on the line. Let me go to Randall. You're calling us from Cape Town. Good morning, Randall. Hi, Cassie. Good day. I'm yes. going to give you nine out of ten for this program. Ms. Uh, Rahadi, I wanted to know through Cathy the central suppliers database. Everything is in order, as well as the Western Cape, where I'm from, and the city of Cape Town. But what's happening to the national one? It doesn't seem that we get the procurement, the opportunities anymore. Normally, on a Friday at 12, there was a print out that comes through procurement, and then we have access to countrywide. So I'm asking, what could be the problem? And thank you very much for this enlightening program. And I'd love to listen to the ones that are following. Thanks, Kathy. All right, Randall. Thanks for that. Rahadi? Thank you so much, Randall. Um, I, I lost him a little bit, and, and I think he's talking to the system, um, the CSD, which is something that we'll talk about next next week. Um, there was um, a trial that we did on the CSD to see if it's not going to overload the system if we send the RFQs and the notices directly to suppliers based on the commodities that they have registered. But we had a challenge with suppliers. We have registered multiple, multiple commodities that you end up sending sending them so many notices. Some of them started complaining that, oh, I don't even remember that I, I, I registered for this commodity. So we are looking at that, and we're looking at that as well as, as well on the on the e-tender side. I will check with my with my colleagues in terms of how far they are, and then I will give a random response by next week when we meet again. Nzwaki is saying on the WhatsApp line, saying, Kathy, I stopped bidding a long time ago. It's costing us a lot of money, and it is also physically and emotionally exhausting. What Rahadi is saying about complaining is easier said than done. Exactly, um, uh, Kathy, because they feel that if they're going to complain, let's say they're in Limpopo and they're going to complain about um, a particular department, they're going to be, uh, you know, blacklisted by the officials in that department. They say, look, you don't have to stay with that department. You can trade anywhere across um, the province itself. So if we have the information, we can ask the provincial treasury to look into that particular process to see if it was done fairly or not. And unfortunately, we, we still need the, need the the suppliers to really help us out, and not only to transact with government. There are other um, commodities that we need in the country where we want to see entrepreneurs producing certain commodities that we need in the country to supply the broader uh, country, not only government. And that is why we have, you're probably say they're having a um, bi-local summit on the 14th. And then um, there are other engagements that they need to, to, to really be up to speed with. Because we're not saying this information simply says to businesses currently saying, think about what is it that you can produce. Because even if you start a business, you still have to engage with government through your ETIC. 
through your, your, your FABS, through your Calorie SA, to make sure that you can distribute your commodity across the country. Champion Polokwane says that there's no South African who doesn't know stories of uh, corruption and tenders. If Treasury focused its spend more on production and manufacturing-based businesses in terms of supply, then more people would benefit from the opportunities. The township economy sentiment isn't based on anything tested, especially since government has very few offices based in the townships. Fund businesses arm with Black Umbrellas Incubator and the entrepreneurs they review are wow, but there are no funding opportunities. Procurement is for the connected full stop. Um, Kathy, when we talk about public procurement, um, we as a treasurer, we the policymakers, but when we make policy, we have to be considerate of, of the other mandates that are lying across government. You have your small business uh, development, and, and unfortunately, um, unfortunately, we have been to, to Limpopo um, at the Kukuni District for, I think, six times to, to really engage with the suppliers, especially women. And we had a team of, of, of um, uh, stakeholders to help us out. We have your, your feeder as well. And then we had other funders that came without your NEF to really uh, you know, engage with the suppliers to tell them, look, this is where you get it wrong when you ask for funding. This is a challenge with, with, your, with your business plan. And, and, and we do engage with them. We have been to, to, to the Kukuni several times. And um, unfortunately, um, I cannot speak for, for other departments in terms of what, what are the efforts that are putting in place for them to really reach out to, to the suppliers especially on the funding side, we have heard that there's a challenge with the funding for, for, for suppliers. We are only funded if your business has taken off and we have engaged with, with small businesses and students. So look, we need to find a way of funding small businesses, but the business plan needs to be up to standard in terms of what they expect from them. Mm. And I wonder what work have you as Treasury done to try and understand what leads to businesses perhaps not procuring or people effectively uh, saying this this process is just too tedious, too too exhausting emotionally and, and physically that uh, I don't see the benefit of being part of it. Have you tried to, to, to uncover that on a deeper level? We have uh, since 2015. That is why um, we introduced the, the central supplier that they just to do away with the paperwork because we realized that they spend a lot of money uh, making copies, certifying copies, and then distributing to different institutions of government. So we said, look, you don't have to bring the paper anymore. Just register yourself and make sure that you are compliant all the time. And then when we're looking for whatever we're looking on the system, at least we have an idea whether we have those suppliers that can provide us with what we want to procure. That's the first part that we have done um, to make sure that we reduce the cost of doing business with government. The second one was we brought in the e-tenders for them not to go to different institutions or government um, uh, government printers to get the tender bulletin. They go to the e-tenders, look at the procurement plan to see what is coming in the next quarter. And in the next quarter, at least you know which departments you're going to be searching for if at all you're interested in that particular tender. So those are the efforts that we are putting in place to help them. And also, like I said, I will check with my with my colleagues on the system side what, how far they are in terms of the notifications. But we are saying to suppliers, 
please, please make sure that whatever you register on the system, on the CST4, is something that you really, really supply. Because if you don't, we're going to send you all these RFPs that keep on coming to you, those notifications, and you're going to be flooded with those emails. So we do work towards that. And we're going to run as well, um, um, what do you call it? We want to check them whether... Uh, whether they are happy with some of the things that we're doing in terms of procurement, and then thereafter we will try and improve the system based on what they're telling us. Of course, part of what it, it does is that it also speaks to the level of trust that people have in in the system so you talk about uh, saying you, you're saying that suppliers should in fact provide the services that they claim to. And yet we have seen countless times where service providers are not even, let alone qualified, they're, not, they're nowhere near uh, the sector of work that they are then the preferred bidder for when it comes to the supply of work. And I'm talking here about those cases that end up being corrupt and there, there is some level of, 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 of fruitless and wasteful expenditure. So, so how do you explain that as, as National Treasury? Again, to the people who have worked on being experts in a particular field and genuinely want to provide a certain level of service uh, to, to the state. Um, the reason why we, we, have that, we have that challenge is that um, most of the officials who are putting to, together the specifications, they tend to get them wrong, mainly because that, um, within society, before you even get to, to the procurement phase, you need to call, do what we call demand management. And within demand management, you need to be very savvy in terms of understanding what, what the commodity requires. Because if you don't understand how to procure that particular commodity or service, your specifications are going to be incorrect. And in that way, they will end up forcing the evaluation to fit into what they have put out in the market. And that tends to create problems. That is why we are saying if your specifications are incorrect and you can't evaluate them the way you have packaged them, you can cancel the tender and go back to the market. That is why through uh, what we call a request for information, you can go into the industry and ask them how best can we purchase or procure the particular service so that when you put together your specifications for the procurement process, you really are on, on, on top of it. You get it right, you make sure that the required things are there, you take into consideration that I, I don't have to advertise for 21 days minimum because the other processes that are going to feed into this commodity they take longer than that. So those are some of the things that we tend to have a problem with, the packaging of the specifications, because most of the officials are not knowledgeable with the, with the commodities that they have to buy, mainly because there is no proper um, capacity building in that area that we turn them into uh, specialists in certain commodities. When you are in procurement or supply chain, you learn by reading what is what you find on the system to make sure that you are responsive, you do what you need to do correctly. Mm. Let me go to Lufuno. Lufuno, you're in Pretoria. Good morning to you. Morning, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Lufuno. I'm fine. Mm. Uh, what, uh, the, I will start with the one that I typed. The first point that I was saying was that um, we do, okay, I do cyber law and I specialize in cybersecurity and ICT contract management. So 
we do want to supply in the country. And when COVID came, we thought that that would have been an opportunity for government to invest on innovators. I'm one of them. And nothing happened. There's, uh, the president has spoken about the 40%, the women, and everything like this. But on the ground, nothing is happening. There are many funds in our names, but those funds are misaligned because if I give you like an example, I wanted to do a, a, an enterprise system, develop it myself. I've done that. I've already done the architecture, but everywhere I go, they want to have a prototype. So <laughs> I now have to go and do Java programming just so that I can have the, um, that prototype because everywhere I have been, there is no funding for innovation. So government talks about SME being the, 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 the key to economic growth and development, but after putting it in a paper in the speech, I've not necessarily experienced it in reality, speaking now as, a, as an entrepreneur. So, yeah. Mm, mm. And so what then do you find, Lufuno? Do you find that you're having to approach, you know, the private sector for funding, especially for innovative projects like, like you're talking about, where do you then rely and who do you re- rely on, uh, not just for funding, but actual work that, that you can do? As an SME uh, in the cyber law space and cyber security, as I said, my support has actually been coming from the, the private sector. Mm. Not that I've not wanted to, to support the public sector because they lag behind in terms of skills as it relates to cyber security and ICT contact management, as I say, that's my area of speciality. But in the end, because when I started the business, was like, this is the area I can contribute because as you were saying earlier, you look at the audit general report, these are the issues that they talk about, which lead to what was said earlier, the uh, expenditure that was spent irregularly or in sometimes in fruitless expenditure. So, the, the solutions that I have would have been dealing with those things. So my intention was like purely I need to assist the public um, sector. But in the end, I had to go to the private sector because either the public sector is not interested or as you were saying earlier, those questions were asking on our behalf, the issue of corruption and tenders coming out. Even if you read it, you can see that this tender is not meant for me. Most of us stop responding to tenders because it's totally a waste of time, waste mm. of money, and it's emotionally draining. Oh, Lufuno, uh, thanks, thanks, thanks for that view. Rahadi, let me give you a chance to respond to what Lufuno is saying. Please, because I couldn't hear properly from her side. Yes, Rahadi. Can you just sum it up for me? Because I struggled, to, I struggled a little bit to hear what Lufuno so, was saying. So basically she was saying that government talks about creating space for innovation and SMMEs, but her experience, she's in the cyberspace, cybersecurity space, and she's found that there is actually very little uh, support for businesses. And that often, you know, when there is, when there are opportunities that are created, those opportunities seem to have uh, people that they are already earmarked for. 
which has led to her over the years not actually uh, bidding for that work. And she says the solutions that she has developed were primarily for the public sector, but she's had to take those solutions to the private sector because uh, there's either no interest in the public sector or there's no follow-up on on an expressed interest. Okay. Um, Kathy, with, with, like I said, with, with um, the sauna and all these particular processes, we always have focus areas as, as government, um, and uh, money will go to where we want to, to, to focus our efforts on. For instance, money will go to, to, to our infrastructure now as well as education, and uh, I want I want the, the, the listeners to really, um, I'll send you a link so that they can participate in our budget outreach on Wednesday. Um, just for them to understand how the budget process unfolds. Um, so the institution has its focus area, right? Um, if it's innovation, it will go to, to science and technology or your CSIR. It wouldn't come to, to the treasury sector. It can go to, to CETA if it's technology. Um, so every, every institution will focus their money based on what they need to deliver because of the different mandates. Right. I'm not sure which institution that has she spoken to. And also when it comes to funding, the same, the same process applies. If at all you are in innovation, there should be a fund um, lying within, within the, the, the organs of state that are uh, mandated to drive innovation. So those are the institutions that she can approach to check if there's no funding for her for this particular process that she has um, developed. We do have uh, already in, in, in government that women who were supported through um, the, the manufacturing of sanitary towels by responsible um, institutions that have to deliver those sanitary towels to, to, to uh, young girls across the country in different schools. So the mandate of the particular institution will drive whether they can fund you or not. It's like coming to the treasury and you want us to fund you to go and study uh, to be a priest. So it might not work in that way. So. She must align her quest with the right organs of state that are driving technology, that are driving innovation to see if they can help them. Yeah, one would think that an issue such as cybersecurity is an important one for all departments. Mm-hmm. But remember, it's not it's not lying within, within I'll say it's not lying within the Treasury. Mm-hmm. You have your state security agency that will be interested in that. You have your science and technology that will have to take it through uh, certain processes to check whether it's broad enough to protect everybody. Because sometimes um, with suppliers, when they do innovation, they bring a system that can only uh, be used in one institution instead of the broader government. When you ask them how many suppliers can, how many users can you plug into the system, then that's when we tend to have a challenge because across government, we have so many users. Um, if you look at the CSD, there are so many users across government that have to tap into that system. So when they develop a system, they need to have those numbers in mind, whether this can be rolled out across all provinces, across all municipalities, also across all um, state-owned entities. Let me go to the Western Cape. Mahwadi, good morning. Uh, good morning, Okay, My... My question to Rahali is actually about the emails containing uh, the supply, uh, like uh, the request for quotations that we usually receive after opening the prof- uh, profile with the uh, CSD. Mm. Then there's always these floods of emails, which we, we no longer sure 
whether they are legit or because nowadays with this fraud uh, stuff and we we we, we 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 find it very hard to trust. So I just wanted to check with Rahali on how can we check or how can we verify the emails that we're receiving, whether they are legit or not. Okay. Yes, Rahadi, you can go for it. <laughs> it's a bit complicated. Um, firstly, you need to remember what you have registered for on the system. And secondly, uh, you need to, to know the departments that are going to procure the services or commodities that you use, right? Mm. And, and the third one is um, you can go to, please don't call the number on the, on the RFQ, because if it's a, it's a, it's a scam, it's a scam. Um, mm. Go to the website itself, you will find the numbers that you can call and ask for somebody who's sitting in, in supply chain to verify if that RFQ originates from that department, right? And the third one is, please, 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 when you get an RFQ that asks you and give you a specification that we need um, a particular shoe of this brand of this amount and this is mm. our budget, we don't do that in supply chain. We just ask you for the shoe that will have a rubber sole, an upper leather, and then this probably this will be the quantity, but we don't hardly give you um, the, 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 the make. We don't ask you to source this particular brand, and we don't tell you where to source it, and we don't tell you how much our budget is. Oh, so those are some of the things that they can look at when they get those, those, those particular requests. Oh, and then on that one, on that, uh, the second one, uh, uh, the website, we should we, like, we go straight to, let's say, maybe it's Department of Health out in province, we go to their specific website. Yes, you go to, to, to the particular housing Department of Health, and then you check if the numbers that you have on, on the RFQ are almost the similar numbers, but you can still call them, and also be mindful mm. of the email itself. Mm. Look at the email if it's really, really something that you see on the website as well. But to be safe, just call the department and check if that RFQ originates from them before you respond. Okay. All right, well, Mahwadi. I hope that that was helpful. That, that's, uh, that's helpful. And I'm a uh, first-time first time caller. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thank you Thanks, Mahwadi. Uh, All right. Let me go to the Northern Cape. Nzwaki, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Yes, good morning. morning. Exactly. Um, I just wanted to say that with regard to the complaints and queries and stuff that Rahadi said that we can always lodge, it's not as easy as that. Because most of the government offices, first of all, they are manned by the security. You know, when you go into the gate, you start there. So it's almost like they are being given a mandate that, you know, this, this tender is out. So if people are querying about this, you give them this answer or, or whatever. So it's it's not as easy as she's explaining it because you can't pass the security once you're there. Mm. Also, with regard to the hard copies, that is still very much in use. Some departments need to buy the tender docs. I mean, or you they email it to you. But when you take it back, it must be in hard copy because the signatures must be on there. The pricing must be 
handwritten and all that. I mean, you will go and make a copy of like a hundred pages, you know, just for you not to get it. Mm. And I'm not saying that you must get, but it's just, as I say, it, it, it's financially, emotionally, and physically draining. Um, I don't know, shall I go to the CSD as well? Or shall I wait on you for an answer? I, 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 th- I think go go for it, uh, Nzwaki. Okay. With the CSD, the CSD, we all have our, um, I don't know is it what number, your CSD number. So with that one, if you have people that are inside, you just give whoever works there your CSD number and then they will just go straight and then they will get a phone call and um, you'll be asked to give a quotation and, 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 and like that. So obviously what the previous caller was saying, the, the cyber caller was saying, it is indeed true. You, 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 once you don't have that input or that network inside, mm-hmm. it also is irrelevant at some, at some point. And the caller who called now from Cape Town, I get numerous emails on a daily basis, like they will be from Gmail or Yahoo. Now you don't know which one is what because some other departments are still using Gmail accounts. Yeah. Phoning them, their phone calls as well. The phone calls are ringing somewhere on the pole or the cable. There's just no, there's no feedback. There's nothing, nothing. It's, it's, it's a dead mile. Oh, and and I think, Nzwaki, what you're saying really sums up the experience of, of many people, right? That often yes. following up is, is a dead end, even yeah. including going to a particular department. Asking yeah. about the documents is not exactly like you're received with open arms. And, mm-hmm. and that in itself becomes mm-hmm. a, a barrier to access. Th- thanks, yeah. thanks for raising this issue, Nzwaki. Let me give Rahadi an opportunity to respond. Thank you so much. Some of the things that, that, that they are complaining about, they are, they are outside um, the, the public procurement scope. Those are administrative issues because we don't know um, if at all the security company that has been put there, what the briefing was, and it would be difficult for us to say whether the security guy is wrong or not. But in our case, which is our department, which I can talk with, um, when, when a supplier uh, arrives with the security, they will call somebody within within our office to check if there's anybody who can come come and help them. Um, if they call, we can engage them over the phone, or you can go downstairs and see if how best you can help them. Or if at all, if they have massive or huge amounts of documents, then you can walk with them into the building to see how best you can help them. And also on on the CSD side, we have building some mechanisms as well. Um, to make sure that the system automatically gives you um, suppliers without you punching a name. So it gives you random suppliers that you're looking for based on the location as well as, as the commodities that you're looking for. So those are the safety measures that we are putting in place. However, when it comes to the paperwork, we have the two departments. You need to cut down the paperwork because it costs so much for suppliers to really go and print out and, and, and really certify and sign and bring them over. Yes, when it comes to competitive bids, you are required to sign certain documents. If you have an electronic um, signature, you can do that, but otherwise you are forced to print and sign all the pages to make sure that they are counted when you submit 
your, 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 your big document. So it, it is tedious, but we're trying to reduce the paperwork the best way we can. That is why we're saying to, to institutions, when you advertise a tender on the e-tenders portal, make sure you upload all the documents that are required for that tender. So suppliers, when they check the tender and they realize they don't want to participate, they don't have to download the documents for that particular tender. So we're trying to make sure that through um, technology, we reduce the paperwork, we reduce the amount of time, but there are certain institutions that are hell-bent on their, on, on their processes. That is why we say the accounting officers need to step in to make sure that suppliers really have access to the system right. and access to the support that they require. Rahadi Mudzeto is the Chief Director of Stakeholders and Client Management at the National Treasury. Uh, that, that, of course, being the end of the first series of a number of conversations that have been brought to you uh, by the National Treasury. That's also where we leave it for this Monday morning. The Talking Point, back with you again tomorrow. For now, it's time for the update at noon.